Hello, it's great to have your company here on Search for Truth, and thanks for tuning in. Our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, brings us the final talk in this series about family relationships. The talk today is called The Discipline of Disciplining. William Penn, famous man, born in 1644, he was a Quaker nobleman and the founder of Pennsylvania, he said, no man is fit to command another that cannot command himself. Now this is the final talk in our series about vital home truths. And if you've been following the last nine weeks, I hope you found the studies interesting and profitable. But for this talk today, Brian, as always, looks to the Bible for advice, example, guidance, wisdom and knowledge. No source is richer in any element. So let's go to Brian now, and he begins with a little story. Yes, John, I, I like the story of the little boy who, after he's been put to bed, shouts downstairs that he wants a glass of water. Now, for some reason, Dad decides it's not appropriate to go back upstairs and give him a glass of water, so he simply says, no, you can't have any. Five minutes later, the same little voice from upstairs asks for water. Same answer, and he's told not to ask again. Five minutes later, can I have a glass of water? Dad begins to get frustrated and says, listen, I said no and told you not to ask again. Now, if you ask one more time, I'm going to come up there and spank you. Now go to bed. Dad just begins to think he's got away with it when the silence is again broken after a few minutes. Dad, when you come up to spank me, will you bring a glass of water, please? Now that's a story that's quite old and uh, perhaps to some people it wouldn't seem politically correct anymore. We'll come to that issue later again. But discipline isn't easy at any age and it seems to get harder. As parents, we sometimes have doubts as to whether a punishable offence has been committed or was it an accident or how much can be put down to him or her being of colour today. It's not easy. We all know that. But this is a subject we get onto as we complete our study of what Paul has to say to the Thessalonians in his first letter, chapter 2 and verses 7 to 11. Now here's verse 11. You know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. We're on safe ground applying this, for as Paul reminds us, family life is the original setting. In the verse we've shared from Paul, it was the father who was doing the exhorting and the warning, just as earlier it had been the mother who was nurturing or training the child. It reminds me of the father who complained that his son thought he was an ogre, because whenever he came home from work, there was a list of things for which he was to discipline his son. Sure, it would be tough for the boy in that situation to see his dad not as a cop, but as a dad. Even though in the society of Bible lands, and in those times, the father may well have yielded the big stick while the mother did all the child-rearing stuff. Things like that do change, and today it's expected and appropriate for dad to roll up his sleeves and get involved in aspects of child-rearing, starting with changing nappies or diapers, while mother will play her part in applying discipline. That way the child doesn't learn to favour one parent and dread the other. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verses 3 and 4 we read, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. 
and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Of course, this is not so much the house, but the home and its various relationships that are being built up, and their development requires wisdom, understanding and knowledge. Certainly, on the topic we've already mentioned, discipline, wisdom and understanding are certainly called for. There's a big debate these days about any form of corporal punishment in the home, now that it's been abandoned in schools. It takes wisdom and understanding to make a clear difference between physical correction and physical abuse, and also between disciplining and demeaning. Making a public spectacle of our child will be demeaning. Correction can be privately applied later. With checks and balances like these in place, we can say that the Bible definitely approves physical discipline. For example, Proverbs 13 and verse 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. There's real practical wisdom in this, of course. Just as discomfort reveals physical dangers, so discipline alerts the child to social dangers. It would be very remiss of us as parents not to do this. But we must be in total control of ourselves when we discipline our children. Understanding and knowledge come into play too in discerning between an undesirable act and a direct challenge to parental authority. We found it good advice in our experience of young children not to turn mealtimes into battlegrounds. A child cannot be scolded into eating. There's no point in fighting a losing battle, and meals are cases in point where the child's stubborn will may easily get the upper hand. It's better to say, we found, OK, you can leave your dinner if you wish, but listen, there are no sweets and biscuits before tea time. And then at tea time you reheat and reserve what was left over from dinner time. If the child doesn't listen to mum or dad, he or she will soon listen to a rumbling tummy. Another undesirable act where punishment isn't appropriate is in the case of breakages occurring during play. Correction is necessary though when a child retorts, I will not, or shut up. Wise parents build their family life with lots of loving esteem, open communication, and fair discipline. And discipline needs to be fair to be effective. Inconsistent discipline will make a child insecure, whereas children actually long for consistent discipline, the security in knowing where the boundaries are. When children test the limits, we might think of what they're doing as being like a security officer, trying all the doors of a building, hoping to find them safely locked, just checking. When youngsters get older, they can even be invited to participate in setting the rules. The rules then become theirs, and strangely, they're often stricter than we would dare to be. We can also work with them at associating privilege with responsibility. To sum up, with discipline, children are entitled to know what the rules are in advance, to have correction privately administered, with the violation and its consequence clearly explained, and to be assured of our love and concern for them at all times. Well, it's probably time to refresh our acquaintance with Paul's sixth point in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This was where he spoke of exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. That's an interesting mixture, an interesting balance, isn't it? He exhorted, 
encouraged and implored. That would cover both negative and positive feedback. Sometimes we do need to concentrate on the doughnut rather than on the whole, on what's there as opposed to what's missing. It's really important in building meaningful relationships with our own children to complement good behaviour or at least to give balanced criticism, especially as youngsters get older and become less pliable, possibly more insecure during those teen years and certainly less impressed with our advice. But we can still share encouragements and warnings by talking, perhaps when doing something together with them like a mutual hobby or during family recreation time. That way it doesn't come across as a straight lecture. I'm so grateful for that short verse in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 that says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. As a holy teenager, Jesus underwent mental, physical, spiritual and social development. The teenage years for all of us are years when we benefit from lots of reassurance and unconditional love, keeping our expectations as parents realistic while affirming and accepting our kids can help prevent them looking to negative methods of getting attention instead from their peers. Still keeping Paul's point on positive influence in mind, it's useful to check out the great resource of parental wisdom in Proverbs. That's the Bible book of Proverbs. There a father talks to his son. Like Paul, he exhorts and charges. Some 14 times in the first seven chapters, we come across the words, my son, prefacing some timeless piece of fatherly instruction. There's warning against keeping the wrong sort of company, as well as warning against laziness and immorality, but also encouragement to seek God's guidance and to be wise. If you find living the Christian life very difficult, because not everyone at home is a Christian, let me just say that I remember hearing a delightful meditation on the Lord Jesus' own home circumstances. The speaker felt a window was opened on the Lord's home life when he said in Mark 6 and verse 4, A prophet is not without honour except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. The occasion was the Lord's second rejection at Nazareth where he'd been brought up. Perhaps the sadness in his voice that day could almost be felt. Divisions in the home had cut him keenly and the hurts of some twenty or more years surface in this remark. Christian, take heart. He knows what it's like to have a difficult daily life at home. And human nature being what it is, we can well imagine his half-brothers being resentful of their perfect older brother. If yours is a divided home, speak to him, speak to the Lord about your problems in the confidence that he too has experienced them at first hand. Being a parent must be one of the toughest jobs in the world, but it can be so rewarding. Ask any room full of kids what it was that set their faith ablaze, and a few will say friends or youth workers, but the majority will point to parental influence. That's why we need to have just every bit as positive an influence as that Paul speaks about in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11, exhorting, comforting, charging. But remember, children learn far more from example 
than from methods and instructions. Enthusiasm for God will be caught, not taught. Finally, may I remind you, there's a free book, an e-book or hard copy if you specify that. Uh, it accompanies this series and it's your last opportunity. So you can write in by post or email and just ask for Vital Home Truths. Our postal address is Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, once again, it's been a great pleasure to have your company today. Thanks for your interest, and I hope you have enjoyed these talks. So I look forward to you joining me again next week, if you're able, when we begin a new six-week series about God's good news, the Gospel. Until then, it's bye for now and very best wishes from Brian, David and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime, may God richly, richly bless you. Yeah.